This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. I, I really don't, um, I don't follow this guy. I really don't, can't really couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I'm just, I'm kind of intrigued by this story because um, he was uh, an all pro uh, last year and he led the NFL in rushing yards and touchdowns. Uh, Jonathan Taylor um, played for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. He's in a little bit of a discussion with them about uh, getting more money and held out, then came back and then left again. And the team said for personal reasons, unrelated to the, um, uh, unrelated to his, his salary request. But now uh, he and the team have worked out a deal where he can seek a trade. And uh, I just I, – I wonder if he's overvaluing himself in this era of running backs don't seem to be valued as much. Um, like I said, he led the NFL in rushing and touchdowns. He's 24. He's he's dinged up a little bit, and that's part of the problem uh, is, is, is he over the injuries. But I think, to me, the issue is more about, um, <clears throat> I guess, just not satisfied and looking to go somewhere else and looking to be looking to be traded. But when when all around him, he's had to have seen, you have to be tone deaf not, to see how little the running back is valued. This doesn't necessarily seem like the right time to be kind of issuing demands. No, it does not. It <laughs> does know? not. I mean, it's like... Can you see where he's getting with it? Read the room, fella. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's like... I get maybe that you don't want to be in Indianapolis, but, you know, handling yourself and and uh, kind of considering your value. Um, but among the teams, Jamie, that were listed in this group of five who could be seeking a running back, the Buffalo Bills were one of them. Well, they definitely need a running back. Um they say, though, that the Bills don't really have cap space, which doesn't lend itself for a guy that wants more money. No, that really doesn't work out well. <laughs> so, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, they got, they got Josh Allen, really good player. They got Stefan Diggs, really good player. Um, they've got, they do have running backs. You know, they've got them on their deal, on their on their roster, but they don't have a guy like, like a Jonathan Taylor. Anyway, just, I don't know, it just strikes me as, Man, guy, um, kind of look around you and see what's going on with running backs and how is that going to work out for you? Um, and considering that the running back shelf life is not very long and if you're already injured and dinged up, you got to figure out a way to be on a roster and continue to just make what you can make. Not that you should always be accepting of that, but sometimes, hey, this is what the job pays. And sorry it, it doesn't pay what it used to pay for running backs yeah clearly and nfl running backs are frustrated about that right now that's a bit of a sticky sore subject. sticky sticky sore subject sticky sore subject um so we'll see we'll see what uh what happens with uh, jonathan taylor um the other thing that i'm really kind of curious about is uh with the cowboys is the is the kicking game uh there's there's a there's a lot to be thought about there um, you know, coming into this season, Brandon Aubrey, I mean, he's a soccer player, um, had never kicked an NFL game before, had never done it before 
uh, big crowds. Didn't even play football growing up in Plano. He played soccer in college and took up football just a few years ago. Um, the uh, but but Jerry Jones uh, here after these games has now scoffed at the mere suggestions that the Cowboys should be worried and should go find a veteran kicker. Uh, Jerry's saying, no, not at all, because sometimes I've seen what happens when you go into one with someone who's kicked before, and I didn't like that. That doesn't necessarily ensure you anything. I've liked what this guy's shown us. I like his story. I like how he got here and how special teams coach John Fossil feels about him. It feels good. <laughs> it's a good story, Jamie. <laughs> so that's the reason why well, he's, he's, yeah. on the, he's on the team. I know. It's interesting. <clears throat> I like his story. I like his story. Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, Jerry's saying he just needs to get up there and get some experience. It'd be like dropping a 21-year-old in the valley and bringing him back and drinking a beer. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and um, this article in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the commentary was, uh, what does a 21-year-old drinking a beer after being dropped in the valley have to do with putting the weight of a franchise on an unknown kicker? But only Jerry Jones knows that. I don't really understand what that means. I don't. I don't either. As long as we're all confused. Yeah. Yeah. We're all. We're all confused. Well, we'll we'll see if uh, Mr. Aubrey goes through the entire season. I just I just don't see that happening. I see him getting the yips at some point in time, and then you know Nick Folk or somebody like that getting released. And <clears throat> okay, we're going to go to the bullpen here. I'm going to bring in a veteran kicker to, to help us out. What? The Cowboys changing kickers yeah. in the middle of a season? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. That'll never happen. You've kind of been on this for a while, so you, you, you're you just not a fan of rookie kickers. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I just, I mean, I just look at what, you know, they've done with, you know, when they've had good, solid kicking, and the, the Cowboys offense is going to stall, and they need, they need, they need field goals. I realize the goal is to score touchdowns. Well, I mean, all of them do. True. All of them need to be able to kick field goals. No, absolutely. It just seems like the Cowboys, you know, especially early in games, it's just, I just feel like that they're, you know, three is better than seven for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the 42 to 45 to 48-yard field goal seems to be kind of a staple for them. Kind of like cheeseburgers is a staple for many people. Forty-two to forty-five yard field goal seems to be a staple for the for the Cowboys. Okay, I'm just not convinced that Mr. Aubrey, who's got limited experience in the National Football League, is going to be your be your savior. Because I I feel like the Cowboys, I feel like Mike McCarthy's got to make. A, he doesn't have to have the same record, but he's got to make a deep run. Ward, it could be. There could be trouble in Jerryville. Didn't you say that last year too? I did. Did they make a deep run last no, year? No, they didn't, but they won, you know, they were twelve and four. They won enough. I might say that until I'm right, Jeff. Couldn't they play seventeen games last year? <laughs> well they 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 played more than that. Yeah, yeah. they played they played yeah. eighteen, yeah. Whatever twelve and five, whatever their record was. Okay. Yeah, no. but you're but you're right. I mean, I'm still. This, they get a buy. <laughs> they did. They did get a buy. <laughs> they did this. Pass this 17 game season still has got me kind COVID of COVID week. 
perplexed a little bit. I'm with you. I'm so used to it being 16. 16, yeah. yeah. Just, just can't get can't get my hand around it. Uh, Robert says this. Chuck, you want to be your, Jonathan Taylor's agent? You just made his point. Uh, okay, but he's not worth $20 million, I don't think. Yeah, I, th- I think one of our texters on the Yates Warren Center chat line is is hitting on a subject that's probably really frustrated. A lot of these young quarterbacks are getting drafted. And they're getting better deals right out of the chute than these running backs who have done good things in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no, And that's probably pretty frustrating, including one Anthony Richardson right there with his team. Mm-hmm. That's probably pretty frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it, I'm sure it is. And, uh, you know, as, as, and that's the, that's the, I mean, that, but that's been going on in the NFL for years where, yep. you know, the, the first round draft choice makes more yep. than, you know, the, the but they did put veteran. in a rookie salary cap. Now they're mm-hmm. ca- they're capped at how much they can make, depending mm-hmm. on where they slot in, all that good stuff, mm-hmm. to kind of combat that and keep the prices down for those guys that are just coming out of, just getting drafted and coming out of college. Yeah. So, and you're right. I mean, but it just seemed in the past that was that was a real that was a real problem. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Um, Oh, what's his Sam name? Bradford. Bradford is the the big reason. I had that Sam. I couldn't remember Bradford. Yeah. Um. He he got a massive deal, and I think that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And like they put the salary cap in after him, mm-hmm. the rookie salary cap. Uh, Cowboys twelve and five last year. Yeah, the wins right. <laughs> I did. <laughs> had that opening loss to uh, Tampa Bay. Lost to Philly. Lost Jacksonville. That was that one. That really hurt. Lost to Washington, and uh, that was in Week 18. And I think the one that really hurt was the San Francisco 49ers loss in the playoffs. Well, sure, I that mean, was the one that hurt. Yeah, yeah, especially especially since it was only 19 to 12. You know, that was the one that. Hurt. Yeah, no, no question. 6:40 this morning here on the morning drive. Kind of stumbled through the morning so far. We'll see if we can get our feet underneath this, or at least for me. It's a variety show. <laughs> That's right. Been a variety of turnovers. Variety so far of yeah, turnovers. We got turnovers, but not blueberry. Or... The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time for this day in sports history. Today is August the 22nd, 2023. And with this day in sports history, here is Jeff McGuire. Going to start in 1927, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Because Yankee slugger Babe Ruth hits his 40th home run during his Major League Baseball record 60 home run season. And the Yankees 9-4 loss to the Cleveland Indians at Dunfield. Now, I want you to remember, 40 in his 60. Right. There's going to be a, a callback to that. The uh, 27 Yankees, they were pretty good, just like the 85 Bears defense. Yes, yes, they were. But that's not what we're talking about. Just remember, today, Ruth had 40 in 27. 40 and 27. Okay. And that's going to be important to remember. 1951, the Harlem Globetrotters play in Olympic Stadium in Berlin in front of 75,052 fans. Wow. Just wrap your head around. We're talking 10 years after the U.S. entered, almost 10 years after the U.S. entered World War II. Mm-hmm. Olympic Stadium in Berlin, the Harlem Globetrotters are playing. That's pretty cool. 1959, American Football League officially named at a meeting in Dallas, Texas. The charter members, Dallas, New York, 
Houston, Denver, Los Angeles, and Minneapolis, St. Paul. 1961. See if you did your homework or remembered. New York Yankee Roger Maris hits his 50th home run of his 61 season. Okay. So he was 10 ahead of Ruth at the same point in, mm. in the year. Wow. Then he would have six more games. Well, not at this point. No, yeah. I mean, not, not at this point. Days to Donuts, the, he was 10 ahead. Mm hmm. Days to Donuts. Days to Donuts. That's another saying. Days to Donuts. Days to Donuts, yeah. 1980, Bill Veck agrees to sell the Major League Baseball Chicago White Sox to Eddie DeBarlato. Eddie DeBartolo. There we go. Uh, for $20 million. The AL owners blocked the sale. Mm -hmm. So the 49ers owner wanted to own the White Sox also? I Wasn't DeBartolo a he, 49ers he was. owner? Mm -hmm. That's right. I knew the sale got blocked. I don't know why it got blocked. But Did he want to move them to San Francisco? No. The owners really didn't like Bill Veck, and maybe they just didn't like Eddie DeBartolo. There was a point in time where if you owned an NFL franchise or if you owned a Major League Baseball franchise, you couldn't own in the other sport. They've since really relaxed that. Well, how long has Reinstorf owned? I, I guess this would be coming up later. Because he had he had the Bulls before he had the White Sox, didn't he? Yeah, there. Were, I think he had a minority portion there. Um, like I said, I mean, there's just there was a point in time where you couldn't be the majority owner of a franchise. It was just more of an owner's. It was more of an owner's deal. I don't think there was, and it might have been, it might have been a federal trade kind of thing too. 1989, Nolan Ryan strikes out his five thousandth batter. Do you remember who it was? Ricky. Ricky Henderson. Hard to want. I wonder who has more pride in that, that strikeout, Ryan or Henderson? <laughs> Probably Ricky. And in 2007, in a game that almost every Ranger fan will remember, they route the Baltimore Orioles 30-3, to the most runs scored by a team in modern Major League Baseball history. It is National Pecan Tort Day. What is a tort, you ask? It, it, these are the ingredients that you kind of mix into a bowl and put into a pie dish. Uh, pecans, salt, uh, whiskey and honey, eggs, and vanilla. So it's kind of like a pie filling, I guess, is the way to describe it, without the pie. It's also National Eat-A-Peach Day. So, you know, do that. Mm, probably won't. Happy birthday, Kristen Wiig, who's 50. Uh, LaMelo Ball is 22. Randall Cobb, 33. Carl Yastrzemski is 84. Paul Molitor, 67. And Bill Parcells is 82 today. And on this day in 1864, at the, G at the Geneva Convention of 1864, an agreement advocating by the Swiss humanitarian Jean Herney Durant called for a nonpartisan care to be sick to the sick and the wounded in times of war and provided for the net the neutrality of medical personnel. It also proposed the use of an international emblem to mark the medical personnel and supplies in honor of Durant's nationality. A red cross on a white background was chosen the reverse of the Swiss flag 
The organization became known as the International Committee of the Red Cross. In 1901, Durant was awarded the very first Nobel Peace Prize. Now, about a little less than 20 years later, the American humanitarian uh, Clarell Barton and Adolphus Salmons founded the American National Red Cross, an organization designed to provide humanitarian aid to victims of wars and natural disasters in concurrence with the International Red Cross. And that is this day in sports history. All right, so here's the backstory on DeBartolo and the White Sox. Uh, apparently, uh, he needed 10 American League owners uh, to approve the sale. He had eight. Uh, the owners uh, apparently were concerned that DeBartolo would move the White Sox to New Orleans. Uh, they also believed he'd be an absentee owner because he still lived and worked in Ohio. And then finally, they were worried about ga- gambling ties because he owned three racetracks. Okay. Okay. The owners that were in support of him, this is interesting, George Steinbrenner of the Yankees, Charlie Finley of the A's, Edward Bennett Williams in Baltimore, he was an attorney, Gabe Paul in Cleveland, Danny Kay, the entertainer in Seattle, Gene Autry, the cowboy singer in California with the Angels, and Peter Bavese of the Blue Jays, Bud Selig of the Brewers, future commissioner, Ewing Kaufman, very conservative owner of the Royals, and Haywood Sullivan of the Red Sox were publicly opposed. Okay. Uh, Calvin Griffiths and Texas's Eddie Childs and John Fetzer of Detroit uncommitted. Uh, they tried again. So Vec was starting to sign free agents because he was going to have a lot of money. Uh, he knew the club was going to have a lot of money with DeBartolo, and, and they used DeBartolo's money. They signed guys like Ron LaFleur, Jim Essien. All these guys were big you know, free agent signees. Um, but then the owners um, didn't approve it again. Uh, in December of 1980, and then Jerry Reinsdorf came in. So, but I think there was some, I don't know if it was an unwritten rule or a written rule or something. There was a period of time where if you owned a Major League Baseball franchise, they weren't going to let you get by into the NFL in a majority state. Same thing with the NFL. Um, and maybe that was just honor amongst thieves kind of deal, but obviously that's been relaxed uh, as that's crossed over into the NBA and, and other NHL franchises, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the guy that owns the Broncos also owns the um, – he owns several teams, you know, and so it's not as big a deal as so maybe is it what it used to be. Yeah, I think sounds the, that way. So 6.53 this morning here uh, on the morning drive. Owning a team. Good job if you can get it. Well, there was a, there was a, <laughs> there was a period of time, you know, where it wasn't – they weren't really a business. It was more of a play toy. Um, yeah, but got, that's not the case anymore. Oh, and it hasn't been the case for probably 40, 40 plus years. Like I said, good job if you can get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you look at, you know, the value of an NFL franchise. It's like um, it's like the guy that owns the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he was uh, – and he just can't get out of the way of himself because, you know, he, he had the broadcaster suspension and um, and now he's he's come out and said that basically – in order for them to afford the team next year, they're going to have to raise prices dramatically in order to afford the, the younger players that, to, to re-sign them. It's like, why, why, are you, why are you talking about this now? He got all into economics and, you know, prices are going to raise drastically. And, and they point out in this article that his dad had bought the team for not very much money 
I mean, it was it's a lot of money, but not in today's terms. It's not because the value of the franchise, if they were to sell it, is worth you know double or triple or what what they paid for it. And that's where these guys have made and gals made tons and tons of money. You know, the families bought the franchise, you know, in the '60s or the '70s, maybe even in the '80s, and selling them later for a billion or two billion dollars, mm-hmm. and just made crazy, crazy amounts of money off it because of the TV contracts, the popularity of the sports, and all that. But the Orioles continue to have public relations nightmares in the in the midst of this wonderful season Correct. where they've had this great kind of renaissance uh, of their baseball franchise, but they just they can't enjoy it. Can't get out of their own way. Can't get out of their own way. Things are doing. That's right. Uh, just before 7 this morning on the Morning Drive. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Thanks for your participation so far on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to the Double T 97.3 mobile app. It's presented by Happy State Bank. Visual Edge IT hotline open too. And we will take uh, color three for... Uh, Two or four tickets to uh, Tech Night on Saturday night. This will be the second, 62nd annual Knights of Columbus Council 3008 Tech Night. It features, and as well it should, the head coach, Joey McGuire. Okay. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, love it. I like how he's bringing his coordinators. Right. He's bringing That's cool. Coach uh, Zach Kitley and uh, Tim DeRuiter. And gen- generally speaking, um, you know, some of the coaches go, uh, but I'm glad that he's doing that. I mean, bear in mind for these guys, and look, I realize that they're well compensated, but they have lives too. Uh, this is truly their last Saturday night. Maybe last Saturday was their last Saturday night to kind of be, okay, free from a just a football standpoint. But I, they'd probably tell you, hey, we're there's probably a handful of Saturdays throughout the year that we – that we kind of own and there's not very many of them and sometimes those are mandated by the ncaa for no recruiting weekends etc 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 anyway uh they'll be uh there at the knights of columbus uh, tech night uh benefiting uh student athletes who have not uh, received scholarships or have not completed their education uh they've done uh, the knights have a tremendous job of donating back gates open at five o'clock it's open to everyone and so if you uh, would like to go uh see a night or you can buy tickets there you can call select a seat i believe and get your tickets there as well and uh, again it's a it's a great cause so we got a winner jeff's got a winner so we'll give away a few more got just a few more uh to give away uh saw this last night i didn't realize this uh louisiana tech and their coach sonny cumby is going to play florida international saturday night that's an eight o'clock kickoff and we talked about this the other day the offensive coordinator for Florida International is former Texas Tech offensive coordinator David Yost. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's that's on the docket for uh, for this weekend. You think Sonny ever gets back here? I mean, not. I mean, I know he gets back here, but do you think he ever comes back to Texas Tech at some point in time? Uh, I am going to guess no. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think you, I think you might be right to that. And they'll still always be loved. Yeah, I think you I think you might right, be right on that. Uh, it is it is amazing though when you think about kind of where this program was three years ago, going into the you know what would be the COVID year. I mean, and it was just so hard for everybody. 
um, you know, in terms of just trying to figure out how many games you're going to play, should you play, how many people you're going to have in the stands, blah, 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 what's the team going to look like. Um, and then you look at, go back to 2019 um, and where the team was and to where it is today and the fever pitch that we have uh, for, uh, for the fan base. And, I mean, the dramatic turnaround that you've experienced the last couple of years has been – and again, I go back to the Iowa State game and getting bowl eligible. That that was the kind of the spark that lit the fire. And obviously what uh, Joey McGuire and his staff have done um, with the players that they had and the players that they've recruited and the culture that they've built has been, I mean, nothing short of amazing, really, frankly, when you think about where you were. Uh, no question, he's done a terrific job. Um, I, I think the the Iowa State game was definitely a, a spark, but I think with without it, I think Joey McGuire and his staff would have just relit it in mm-hmm. the off season with their recruiting and mm-hmm. all that good stuff, and then what you did last year uh, on the field. So, um, yeah, it's it's been uh, going just just a few seasons ago where you were. Uh, I think, like many Red Raider fans, getting to the point of just like you almost dreaded it. Uh, I wouldn't say dreaded it, but it didn't. Um, um, this became numb, mm-hmm. and now it's just a completely different feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I still, you know, the thing about the, you know, the Iowa State game and the Garibay field goal, sixty-two yards, blah blah blah. I mean, it makes you bowl eligible, and you get into the Liberty Bowl, and you beat Mississippi State, and you end the season on a tremendous high, and Coach McGuire takes over, and the the momentum, the ball has just not stopped rolling, and you wonder how big can the ball get, and you've now put yourself in a position where you, I don't know, dare to dream or dare to realize uh, that you're maybe maybe on the cusp of greatness. For the I'll I'll slow down there. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll tap the brakes on that a little bit. I mean, okay. we were seven and five last year in the understand. regular season. I understand. On the cusp of greatness, huh? On the cusp. Yeah. The cusp. Okay. The cusp. Okay, I'll slow down. Okay. I'll tap brakes. Okay. Yeah. You know, you don't mean eight, eight and I five don't... was a lot of fun last year, but yeah. you know, there's a pretty big difference in that. And I, I mean, what do you call greatness? I mean, first you got to get to the conference championship game mm-hmm. to just even be really good. That would be, right. to me, that would be the cusp of it. I mean, that would be because... But you haven't gotten there yet. But you haven't gotten no, there, you haven't so you're not there. on the cusp then. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're, you're working on getting there. You are back to the point good. of playing relevant football yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. No, but I and mean... And that was a big step, because sure. you hadn't for a while. Yeah, but I mean, you, you have a, a very uh, ignited, engaged, uh, moving in one direction fan base. Awesome, all the things that we all love, but mm-hmm. that doesn't put you on the cusp of greatness. And I've... I put you on the cusp of having a very united and excited fan base. I feel this like this year, <laughs> if very much. This year very much feels like mm-hmm. the second year under Tubby Smith uh, for basketball. Where, hey, this is we're starting to figure some things out again. Hey, look what's going on. This is kind of fun. Like that kind of change that you're experiencing in football with sixty thousand people in the stands instead of. I don't even. I don't know what the USA holds. I think it's fifteen. Is that right? There's no way that's right. I. I, th- I think that's though, right if you get to nine, I think if you get to nine wins, I think that that puts you on the cusp, cusp of greatness. The cusp, the cusp of greatness, doesn't make you great and doesn't make it greatness. But I mean, you look at 
again, the number of nine win seasons that you've had in the regular year, I'm talking about in the regular year, you get to nine and three, that's that's cusp of greatness stuff. Maybe not for Alabama, but... Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Texas Tech greatness, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, when you're talking about greatness those are teams that compete for national championships well and and you want to get to a point where you're competing for a conference championship I mean, that at the puts... very least you you win a conference mm-hmm. championship we would all be saying it would be a great season or you mm-hmm. compete for one it'll be a great season mm-hmm. so maybe that's fair to say i just you could make the argument if you're in the championship game this is your best season in the big 12 i don't think you have to make an argument Period. Yeah. 2008 was really, really late. That you d- you weren't in the championship game. Don't care. You win. The but, co- you're in the conference championship game. Yeah, that's the greatest season in the Big Twelve. Uh, let's see. Uh, after years of allowing myself to be excited at the beginning of each year, I'm trying really trying to rein myself in. I'm not sure I can take expecting greatness if we have an underwhelming year. Okay. Uh, this. And that's why I try to. Force Mr. Hines over here to tap brakes a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just yesterday, Chuck was eight and four, leading seven yes. and five again potentially. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chuck and two the... weeks before that, he was. We were going to start the season eleven. Well, and 0. I think it was like three so weeks ago, just... but yeah, right, something like that. Okay, sorry, three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, Chuck moved the cusp like four times. <laughs> That's uh, below average for us. I feel like. Yeah, uh, I'm not usually one to tap the brakes unless I see. Uh, red lights. Um, there you go. I think this is from somebody here from the 8th Flooring Center chat line. I think beating Mississippi State was the bigger spark than the field goal. Felt like you finally slayed a dragon that had been over the program for some time. I, I do I do buy into that. Add that with Coach McGuire's personality and it really lit a fire in the fan base. Which dragon did we slay? The Mike Leach dragon. The Mike Leach Dragon with Mississippi State. I feel like you were you're going up against, you know, a bit of your nemesis, so to speak, at least off the field, um, to a degree, or someone that had helped build a program to a degree. I, I'm not going to say that game didn't mean something because it did. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the dragon that was slayed in that game was you won a bowl game. It wasn't that you won it over Mike Leach. I think a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I think the importance that we have, that we place on the bowl game leading into next year is way overhyped, way over-exaggerated. Yeah. And you, I, you've been consistent And the that. numbers will bear that out. Yeah. Look at some terrible seasons you've had after winning bowl games. You know, you're, or really good seasons you've had after losing bowl games. You're letting the facts get in the way of a really good story. But you're, you've, you make a good point there. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's Question of the Day. Brought to you by someone not named Jamie. Oh. Don't you curveball today, Chuck. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's not fair that Jamie has to come up with all the questions no. all the time. Sure, sure. And when he's not here, he doesn't get a chance to answer the question first, so we will give him that opportunity right now. Okay. You are now the god of sports <laughs> and can grant 
Texas Tech University, one thing within reason, mm. reasonable granting of a wish for Texas Tech athletics for the 2023-2024 season. Jeannie Jeff here. No, no. Jeannie Jamie, Jeannie Chuck. <laughs> you guys are the one granting this wish. Oh, okay. As long as I'm not Jeannie Bus. <laughs> That's different, Jeannie. Well, she's had pretty good life. The catch here is, <laughs> I mean, we would love to say a national championship in football. The catch here is, is we are not on that level yet. Is it possible outside shot? But there's still some work to do to get there. Achievable goal at the high end that you think Texas Tech can make that you would grant. What would it be? And it doesn't have to be wins or losses. It could be... This is football related. This is anything in the Texas Tech athletic calendar, 23-24. Any sport. What do I do here? You want to go to Omaha is what you want to do. Do I pick what's best for the university and the athletic department? Do I pick what's best for my rooting interest? You're the genie. You get to make the wish. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go. Just. I I just don't want to pick wins and losses because I think it would be boring to say win a national championship in all sports. Okay, whatever, or win a national championship in any sport. Okay. But I am going to say. Uh, I wish I am uh, granting Texas Tech baseball the wish of um, being a lot better clutch hitting with a much higher on base percentage that I think will lead you to greatness. I think I can get behind that. Yeah. Chuck? Hmm. I think it will be easy to just pick win games. That sure. those are those are boring. So mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta go a little deeper. Yeah. Okay. Gotta go a little deeper. I will not be going that deep. I I want to after Chuck is done, I want to answer now for tech football too. Okay. Okay. Well I mean I I, I would love to see I'd love to see both. And Syntex Hanks as Big 12 championships for men's basketball and women's basketball. That'd be awesome. I, I'd love to see. I don't think that's realistic. Not for yeah. the men's team. Yeah. Or the for, women's I, team. Either, either team. Um, I'd love to see passion, the passion for basketball um, reignited. I mean, it won't take much for the men because you've sold out all your season tickets. Yeah, it doesn't seem feel like that's gone away yeah and, and i'll feels be like it's there it feels like it's there that's uh, great i'd love to see some some um carryover for the women along those lines that, that comes down to winning basketball games and really winning big 12 games and winning big 12 games at home that you should win um you know what i, I i'm really going to make it from a football standpoint I'd, I'd love to go down to austin beat beat the longhorns and that puts you in the big 12 championship game because I really think that that game is is going to mean something at the end of the season. I hope it does. I hope it means for the Red Raiders that if you win that game, you get to go to the Big 12 championship game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna grant uh, Tech football the uh, 
the University of Texas game as a win that puts you in the Big 12 championship game? All right, for football, I'm going to say I am going to grant Joey McGuire the ability to be exactly right on his comments about your offensive line Mm. being a strength Mm -hmm. because you have really good weapons, really good quarterbacks, and plenty of weapons. And I just think that, you know, with Coach Kitley's play calling an offensive line that allows you to open up the playbook man you it could be a lot of fun this year i mean you score a lot of points and it could just be a lot of fun because i think your defense is solid too but i think your offense would be if this if that's the case if coach mcguire's right and your offensive line is one of the strengths of your team i I think you're probably a top 10 offense in the country the one that i think would mean the most for the university that I feel like is safe, that would be a, a, a possible lock-in, would be lock Texas Tech in to the Big 12 championship game. Not necessarily the number one seed, but at least the number two seed, and you are playing for something at that point that you have never played in, in the Big 12 championship game at that point. If I were to switch this to basketball, both the men and the women make the tournament the same year have that locked in that it's not a could they make it will they make it you look at an nit you trying to bounce back are are you are you looking at a double dip into the wnit and back-to-back seasons for the women's team but have both of them take that step from a year where neither one of them made the uh ncaa tournament but have both of them make the tournament i think would be a nice second choice the men's team playing uh, the football team playing in the Big 12 championship game. Okay, your thoughts, comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double t dot com for that of the mobile app. I like your um, I like your offensive line comment. Um, I think I think you're right because if if he is if he is right on that. Um, then you are going to have a really good offense, and that's going to that's going to lead you to a lot of places where you'd like to go, uh, including um, you know key victories over uh, teams that may be ranked ahead of you right now, um, or thought to be could be finished better than you right now. Um, so <clears throat> you know it's uh, that that would be key. Going back to your thought. And I'm going to assume the women made it in 2007 because they were on a roll then. The last time that the men and women would have made the NCAA tournament together would have been 2007. I'm going to have to double-check the women on 2007 because the men the men did not make it in 2013, the last time that the women were there. And they've been on a roll here lately uh, with uh, 16, 18, 19, 21, 22. I just have to double check the the Lady Raiders side of that to see when their their last one was. Um, was seven Bob Knights last year full year? Yeah, because Pat didn't make it. Right, that's why I'm asking. I don't remember yeah. what Bob Knight's final year was, where he was coaching the full year. I don't have his. You now his his last full year was because uh, Pat's last full year was. Uh, the 
10-11 season. And so Bob's last full year would have been uh, 09-10 season. Would have been Coach Knight's last uh, last full year coaching. Uh, let's see this. Um, let's see. Basketball National Championship would be my wish and maybe another meat judging championship to add to our dynasty. <laughs> okay. I mean, you don't need to waste a wish on the meat judging yeah. team. They're going to win it. The, the, uh, the, the, the genie looks at you like, okay, what do you want next? We get a Chuck, I agree with your choice. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, the women did not make it in 2007. Uh, excuse me. Appearance. Yeah, they did not make it in 2007. Their last appearance before um, the two th- was 2005. So, man... That, that makes it that makes your deal even larger, Jeff, because the last time the men and women made it was 2005 in terms of the NCAA basketball tournament. Long time. That's too a, long. That is too long. That is a that is too too long. Goodness gracious. That's craziness. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. This morning here on the Morning Drive. Thank you for being with us today on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. Uh, Ray Hildebrand, dead at 82, was the Hey Paula guy. All right. Um, I saw this, and, and this we've talked about this a little bit because he raised this flag a few weeks ago. But he raised it again because the college football playoff committee is getting ready to, I guess, the, not the committee, so to speak, but the commissioners that oversee the college football playoffs are getting ready to meet. Uh, Greg Sankey is the commissioner of the SEC. And he says, with regard to the 12-team playoff, right now, you put it in bold letters that things are going to change, period. And we're all going to have to be prepared to deal with that change, period. He's one of 10 FBS commissioners, along with the Notre Dame Athletic Director, Jack Swarbrick, who is retiring, um, that came up with the 12-team format. Uh, He says it needs to be re-examined prior to the 2024 season. Right now, the six highest-ranked conference champions by the playoff committee would make the playoff, along with the next six highest-ranked teams. The four highest-ranked conference champions would earn the top seeds in a first-round bye. But he cites the Pac-12 going down to four, and you know, with the Big Ten and the Big Twelve expanding, uh, he says we're we need to rethink the playoff model with college football's landscape changing so dramatically. That's completely fair. It's not as if you're going to grant the Pac-12 one of those slots, right? Mm-hmm. He said, uh, circumstances have changed and we need to reconsider the format. I'm not convinced that we need to reconsider the number of teams. And I have been clear that I would have been okay with an eight-team playoff with no conference champion access. That wasn't, if you will, politically tenable within the group. So as we continue to look up the model, we came up with the six and six model. But again, the circumstances have changed in a meaningful way. And my inclination is we need to reexamine the current format. Uh, Commissioners will meet next week in Dallas. And then again in September in Chicago, the SEC is the only conference to have had a team in the college football playoff every year since its beginning in 2014. This according to the ESPN article. 
Um, he also emphasized that the SEC would have been okay had the four-team format with no automatic qualifiers remained in place. But he also acknowledged the responsibility is to be as inclusive as possible. He said, we're adding Oklahoma and Texas, and we're not going to have fewer teams involved in the postseason with the addition of those two programs. We could stay at four, and we could stay at the four best teams, and that is just a straightforward represent, representation of our attitude. But the idea of 12 creates a balance. I think, of, of, uh, I think all of that's an indication of a willingness to support the game more broadly than just one conference interest. They could be greedy. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sorry about you, Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, that's how, why many people felt like it was a dumb move for them because mm-hmm. it made it much more difficult for them to get to the college football playoff going through the SEC. And I completely agree with that. Uh, many people felt like that's why Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma mm-hmm. because he knew it would be darn near impossible to get there. Now he's going to the Big Ten. And now he's going to the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I mean, I just, you got four major conferences, right? SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC. Right now, yep. Right? I mean, I, I don't know why those four just can't get the the first round bye that he talked about, those conference champions. You get a bye with a conference championship, make those games mean something for those teams. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then you, you have the next best eight. The, uh, chair- Is that that difficult? I mean, it feels like they had it right with what they were doing. Yeah. So just make this small little tweak. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of those deals where I'm like, did we really need to get together for a meeting? Couldn't somebody have just sent out an email? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all those in favor of uh, Jamie becoming the uh, board of managers for the college football playoffs say aye, aye. Any opposed? No. The I motion think carries. The vote really could be, and I think the vote would be the same. Uh, can we vote anybody else into the the commissioner of this as opposed to who is currently in there? Because they have not been able to figure this out for 20 years. Yeah, I don't want to be. I don't want that job. There's way too many uh, Mississippi State President Mark Keenum, he is the chair of the College Football Board of Managers. He had proposed a 12-team format with no automatic qualifiers last summer. Uh, that proposal didn't pass. He said this to ESPN, we spent a lot of time in discussion when we started down this path on how to get beyond four. My position was that I wanted the top 12. I understand there's great prestige being a major conference champion. Bear in mind, he's at Mississippi State. At the end of the... What what are the odds that one of the major conference champions is not going to be one of the best 12 teams? It doesn't feel like it's very good, No, no. I mean, if we're calling those the power four conferences, Mm -hmm. why would we not say that the conference champion gets it. Yeah, no, I, I'm 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 with you on this. Um that those four conference champions should receive the bye. Yeah. And then the next eight And if uh, there is a uh if there's a league, let's say the SEC has a dominant Alabama team that's crushing everybody and then there's just a pretty good team, whoever. Mm-hmm. Georgia that maybe has two losses going to that conference championship and they surprise the world and they probably weren't going to get in but they they win it and they get the automatic bid that's great that's like the that's like you know um uh what's the what's the crazy conference championship week in college basketball where mm-hmm. upsets happen and some team that didn't deserve to get in right. got in bid busters yeah that's fun yeah it is fun that's fun. Mm-hmm. 
And again, but college football coaches, if they're good enough to beat Alabama, they need to be in the top 12. But college football coaches don't want fun. They want Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson in the college football playoff every single year because that's what TV people want because that's what people will watch, even though we've proven no, that no, we that's, won't. that's not. Yeah, that's wrong. Uh, this from the Ace Flooring Center chat line. I think their worry is that the Big 12 gets an automatic bid being the worst league and gets a buy because they are in a weak conference. Um, is that what the point is here? I, I don't know. Uh, Sankey's point is is that you can't you can't do it because of what what we've just talked about because the Pac-12 is down to four teams. You know you can't. <laughs> I mean the Pac-12. That's why gonna, they're no longer Power Five. Yeah, they're gonna. But they're, <laughs> that's why we have a Power Four. And it looks like they're gonna either add teams from the Mountain West or from the AAC. There's gonna be there's yeah, something something nobody is gonna think is, is power, worthy of a Power Five conference. Absolutely, absolutely, and and. You know there'll be there'll be a, a big separation between, you know. Look, let's let's be honest. There's there's separation with um, the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC and the Big Twelve. I mean, you could say there's one, two, and then there's space, and then three, and then space, and then four. I mean, you know, if we're just kind of looking at it honestly, that's how we'd have to have to look at it. But without question, the Big Twelve is going to be exponentially tougher and better uh, than any kind of new version of the Pac-12. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. And look, I mean, Pac-12s or the Big 12s allowed to improve too. I mean, is it going to be is it ever going to be the power of the SEC? No, let's be realistic and the Big 10, no, but you could be competitive with the ACC without question. And that doesn't mean that just because you get into a game in the college football playoff that you're just going to lose every time you play an SEC team. That's not, ne- not necessarily always the case. Cuz things happen, right? That's why they play TCU the game. beat Michigan last year. Yeah, that's why they play the game. We didn't think that could happen. Unfortunately, Mm-mm. it did. Mm-mm. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.